listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at bethanynaz.org. Nat and I were visiting some family in Nashville, Tennessee, a few months ago. And uh, they live in a community of kind of landominiums. So you pull into the parking lot and every building looks the same. And you're not for sure which one you're going to. You're looking for numbers over doors. It was night. And uh, I slowed down pretty slow. In fact, I slowed down to a stop. Trying to see, you know, if this was the right. I didn't want to park in front of somebody else's garage door. And uh, and a car had come up behind me. And so I pulled into the correct parking space. Nut got out, Annette got out of the car and, and walked in. And, and as I was getting stuff out of the car... The car that was behind me had pulled around and parked at their place. And the guy yells at me and he says, hey, they have driving school, you know. <laughs> and I didn't really understand what he said. And, you know, to make it worse, I asked him to repeat it. What, what was that? <laughs> he said, they have driving school for people like you. And 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 I looked at him and. And he said, you, you stopped right in the middle right there. You just stopped dead still. And I said, I, I'm sorry. I, I, we weren't for sure which number. And he just waved me off and went in. So I, I, I went in the house and I said something to them that the neighbor was frustrated with me pretty bad. And, and um, they were a little surprised by that. They said he was normally a very friendly guy. And, and so a couple of days later, we're packing up to leave. It was in the morning and the... Trunks open on my car and, and uh, the hatch is up and, and I'm loading and here he comes. And I'm thinking, it's going down right here, you know. <laughs> and I got this bad leg, don't know how I'm going to do, you know. And he says, hey, and I turn around and he said, uh, the other night that, that shouldn't have happened. I'm sorry. And I said, oh, it, it's okay. I said, I, I was I was stopped right here. I no, no problem. He says, well, I'd driven all day. I was tired. Uh, but it shouldn't have happened. I'm sorry. I said, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm sorry. He said, okay. I said, okay. And he walked away. And, you know. And I've wondered a lot about it since then. I've wondered what his motivation for apologizing was, you know. And, and it could be that he just said, these are my neighbors. If I'm going to live in community, I probably got to go tell this bad driver how sorry I am, you know. Or maybe maybe he's just a guy who says, I'm, I want to be a good person and that wasn't best, so I'll go tell the guy I'm sorry. And I wonder if maybe he was a Christian who had had a bad day. And it was building up and he had driven all day. And, and I have no way of knowing, for sure, of course. I've hoped I would bump into him again. But I wonder if the Holy Spirit challenged him to apologize. And the reason I wonder that is because that's how the Holy Spirit works in my life. It's, it's not uncommon for me to, to do or say something and then the Holy Spirit say, Rick, what are you doing? You need to make that right. And so I can't truly think of anything more relevant to talk to you about 
And not just because it's Pentecost Sunday, but about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit interacts with us. How God speaks to us through His Spirit. How God guides us by His Spirit. We make major life decisions based on what we sense the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. People quit jobs and apply for jobs based on that. People move across the country because they sense the Holy Spirit is prompting them to do so. We do generous acts because we sense God, by His Spirit, is prompting us to give something to somebody. We apologize to people because we sense God, through His Spirit, is speaking to us, saying, you need to go and make it right. So I can't think of anything more relevant to talk about than how God interacts with us, communicates with us, through His Spirit. Jesus talked so much about the Holy Spirit. Um, you, do you remember the night before the cross? What did Jesus talk to the disciples about so much? The Holy Spirit. He says to them in chapter 16, it is for your good that I'm going away. It, that's hard for us to grasp. It's hard for them to grasp. Uh, there, there's this, there's this, would you say a paradox? It's like Jesus is saying, I'm actually going to be more present with you when I'm absent from you. How does that happen? It's good for you that I'm going away unless I go away. The advocate, he later refers to as the spirit in verse 12. The advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit when I'm gone. Again, in John chapter uh, 20, uh, before he commissions his disciples, Jesus said again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Now listen to this. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So this is just Jesus. This is Jesus' conversation. Look at Luke 3. He believed that God wanted all believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Look at this. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This was Jesus' conversation. I'm going away, but the Spirit will come. Receive the Holy Spirit. How much more does the Father want to give the Spirit to those who ask Him? What I'm simply trying to say, I will say to you in the Scripture in a moment, but let me say it simply like this. Um, those who believe in Jesus can be given the Holy Spirit. I'll show you these words a minute in the text, but... But those who put their faith in Jesus, those who believe in Jesus, those who accept Jesus, can receive, can be given the Holy Spirit. So open your Bible with me. Let me show you John chapter 7. Would you? John chapter 7. I'll begin with verse 37. John chapter 7, verse 37. I'm going to be a little uh, deliberate getting through the scripture this morning, okay? Just some things I want to kind of share with you as we move through it, all right? So on the last... And greatest day of the festival. You might ask which festival. It was the festival of tabernacles. Or sometimes called the festival of booths. Okay. Uh, it was an eight day festival. It was one of the three festivals that God said to his people. I want you to pilgrim to the city that I will tell you. Which became Jerusalem. And three times a year I want you to go and celebrate and remember. 
So you might say, what did all the Jews go to Jerusalem to celebrate during the Festival of Tabernacles? Well, there are really two things. One was the harvest. We're going to celebrate the harvest. And the other thing was to remember God's faithfulness when he brought the people of Israel through the wilderness. So two things they were celebrating at the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. Now, you might ask, where did it get its name? So during harvest, since this was a harvest celebration, they would go out into the harvest field and build temporary shelters, tabernacles, booths to live in. That's why it's called the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. That's how it got its name. And so it was in the middle of the week, this eight-day festival, that Jesus went to the temple and began to teach. It was common to teach in the temple, of course, courts. And, and people were amazed at his teaching because he had not been trained as a rabbi. But at the same time, they were struggling to be fully convinced of his identity. Is he really the Messiah? Jesus said to them, these words are not my own. These words are from the one who sent me. And so on the last and greatest day, the eighth day, the Sabbath, greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, and one of the challenges we face is that we don't find this direct quotation anywhere in the scripture. And so there are many scriptures Jesus could be referring to. Is it a compilation of scriptures? We're not for sure about that, but it's one of the challenges of the text. As scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. In other words, if you drink, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now, we celebrate this passage with millions of Christians all around the world, this lectionary reading today, and he says, by this he meant the Spirit. The Spirit will flow from them. Whom those who believed in him, this is the passage, this is the sentence, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And then he explains, up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified, meaning crucified, buried, and resurrected. How can the cross be glorification? When we think about glorifying somebody, we think about praising somebody. God turns shame into glory, right? And then Jesus was buried and resurrected. He does not mean here that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, did not exist to this point. He's talking about how God relates to us. You remember the Hebrew writer said that, that in the past, God spoke how? In, in various ways and through the prophets. He spoke through burning bushes, things like that. And, and he spoke through the prophets. In these last days, the Hebrew writer said, he's spoken to us through his son. And then Jesus says, I'm going away, but it's okay if I go away because then the Holy Spirit will come. And, and God will speak to you through the Spirit. He will guide you. He will lead you. And so when we think about the role of the Holy Spirit, that's what we see. We see the Spirit reminding us of what Jesus taught us. We see the Holy Spirit leading us. You, you, you felt many times in your lives that, 
that the Holy Spirit was leading you to do something? The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. He, he, he helps you to know there's a circle here and everything in the circle is okay with God. But you're outside the circle. What, what you're doing is not okay with God. You, that, that's sin. It's, it's in the Holy Spirit that we are empowered. When, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. You'll have power. This is the role the Spirit plays in our lives. So let me, let me, let me just think with you a little bit about this context and why, why it is so important for Jesus to say these words. I, um, I got a, a text not long ago from Paul McGrady Jr. And Paul, uh, along with Mike Brooks, um, have been very instrumental in leading our, our work in, in the Native American Partnership under leadership of Dr. Barbie Moore. And, and one of the ministries that many of you have been involved here is, is the cutting of firewood and hauling it um, and giving it away. I got, I've got a picture here that I wanted to show you. This is... This is what this is what that ministry looks like. It's 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 a truckload of firewood. And there's a lady standing here who's the recipient of the firewood. It was their last stop of the day. This was only a few weeks ago. Paul said as we're unloading the firewood, I kept noticing this lady who's receiving the wood and, and she looked very, very sad. I felt compelled, Paul said, and I finally just walked over and just stood beside her. And uh, after I stood there for a little bit, she finally began to open up a bit. And she said, um, not long ago, I, I lost my son. And, and it's been really hard since then. And so, so Paul said we, we gathered around her. Not only did we give her the, the wood, but we wanted to give her something with a lot more value than wood. And so we... We gathered around her and we prayed for her. You know. I, asked, I asked one of the people with the ministry there if she had food. And I don't know, would you like me to ask? And he said, would you? And so they asked and the answer was no. And Paul said, we, we got some cash together. We squeezed it into her hand. But the pastor of the Compassionate Ministry Center, Pastor Chris there in Gallup, said to her, we'll be back in a couple of days. And so Chris and one of her helpers, Casey, came back. And the next picture really tells that story. We blurred out her face, but I think you can see that there's a smile on her face. And they took groceries back to her. And Paul said, when I looked at this picture, I couldn't help but notice her T-shirt says, but God. And he said, I sat there looking at my phone when Pastor Chris sent me the picture, pondering the words on her T-shirt. And Paul says, but God can take our feeble efforts and help us to reach out to help someone else understand that there is a God and he does care about you. I, I think the story affects me this morning in the sense that she is representative. She's hurting. She's grieving. She's hungry. She's thirsty. She, she needs love. She needs compassion. She needs help. She needs hope. 
She needs a bunch of guys from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene to show up with a truckload of firewood, for heaven's sakes. She needs somebody to show up a few days later with some firewood. And some, a few days later with some groceries after they've given her the firewood. And, and I think that, that she's a picture of what I see in society over and over again. I, I don't know how to say it, but people are thirsty. So, so think about this context. You have, you have this great festival. Every morning, here's what happened. The priest would get together and it was a ceremony. It was a, a, a procession. They would leave the temple and they would go outside of the city and they would go down south of the city to a spring and they would take this very particular pitcher and they would fill it with water and they would bring it back people all around them and they would have this ceremony, this procession back up to the temple and they would go into the temple and they would take the pitcher and they would pour it over the altar. On the final day, they would do it seven times on the latest, the last and greatest day of the ceremony of the festival. It was more than that. The prophets, Zechariah and Ezekiel, they, they envisioned water flowing out of the temple. Rivers of water flowing out of the temple of God as a display of God's blessings to all the people of the world. That's what they saw. And so it's, it's in that backdrop that Jesus stands up and says, Anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Yeah. So, I'm going to put these words on the screen because I think we need to remember them. People are thirsty. You know? Sometimes we forget it. Maybe you're doing okay. You know Jesus. Your life is full. That's not everybody's story. There are people in this world that are thirsty. And, and you might kick back and say, yeah, they're thirsty, all right? They're thirsty for money. They're thirsty for material possessions. They're thirsty for power. I, I think Jesus is talking to people who have already tried all of that stuff and it didn't work. It left them empty. And I think what Jesus is saying is... Once you've figured out that all the promises of culture do not produce what they say they will produce, then come to me. Do you see Jesus with open arms? Do you have that image of Jesus just, I'm here, just come to me, you know? And so if this morning you would say, Rick, I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm truly thirsty. I'm parched. Jesus wasn't talking about physical thirst. He was talking about the condition of the human soul, right? I, I, I think here's where we get hung up. We say, okay, I, I'm thirsty and, and I'm, I'm, I, I want this, I want this in my life. I, I, I have this longing for God. I, I want this and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do better. You know, I'm gonna try harder. And I'm gonna pray some, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to read the Bible. I know I should be doing that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna attend church more, Rick. You're gonna see me here more than you're seeing me now. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try hard to avoid sin. I'm gonna try hard just to not, you know, I know, just, if I can get, you know, myself at, at, at just a better place. And that's not what Jesus says at all. 
Jesus just stands with his arms open and he says, come to me. You know, this is a gift. You, you could never be good enough. <laughs> this is something I want to give to you. And, and I'll give you my spirit and the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you. And the Holy Spirit will make you aware of when there is sin in your life. And the Holy Spirit will bless you and the Holy Spirit will help you to live this life. Just come to me. This is something I want to do in you and for you. So, let's talk about next step here, okay? I, um, I got a call on Wednesday morning from a pastor at the church that I, that I used to be at in, in Cincinnati. And then I got a text from the, from the lead pastor there. And they both wanted me to know that Paul Powell had passed away at 83. So, early on when I came here, I talked to you about my friend Paul's son. I knew that when I came here, I would never meet another Paul Powell in my life. He was one of the most interesting people I've ever, I've ever known. Paul uh, kind of came up, you know, through the hippie and he never left the hippie stuff, you know. But he did come to know Jesus, but he still spoke this other language. So like, he, I don't know that he knows my name. He called me the Mr. Preacher Man, you know. And my wife Annette, who's right here, he called her the Mrs. Preacher Lady. You know, we had a friend in the church named Barclay. He called him Clay, and he called his wife Mrs. Clay. Ron Basham laid brick. He called him Brickman, and Francis was Mrs. Brick. And that was just the way that he... First time I ever met this guy was standing in a circle of men on a Sunday morning, the first Sunday that I preached there. They were going to pray for me before I preached. I reached out. I shook his hand. He smiled. He said, I'm Paul. I said, I'm Rick. When it came his turn to pray, here was his prayer. Hey, man, I need you to do me a favor this morning. I need you to keep the funky devil off the Mr. Preacher Man. And then he said, I'm out. I think that meant amen. Annette and I were at the altar one time. We were praying about coming here. We were crying. He came down. He said, I just had to come down. To see the Mr. Preacher Man, the Mrs. Preacher Lady making rain. It just broke my heart. Paul got cancer 15 years ago. And uh, called me one day and left a voicemail. Hey, Mr. Preacher Man. He was a painting contractor. He did very well in his business. It's the old painter man. Big guy in the sky just gave me my next gig, man. How cool is this? It's a rush. Call me. I got to tell you about it. And so I called him. I said, hey, Paul, what's up? Hey, Mr. Preacher Man, he said, they took me in there where they're going to do chemo, okay? I looked in there. He said, there's a lot of older people in there. Here's my next gig, man. The big guy in the sky wants me to share Jesus with the antiques right before they check out. And sharing Jesus, he did. I felt this morning I had to commemorate him because Paul Powell did not live his life kind of church is Sunday and the rest of the week I paint and do other things. It was about Jesus every minute of his life. When he got cancer, he just turned it up. 
I remember once he said, I wish I could have gotten cancer sooner, Mr. Preacher Man. I think I would have done more for Jesus. I remember going to the hospital one day to see him. He had these cards he would give to everybody. The front of the card said, Jesus is cool. And the back of the card had his name and phone number. I don't know how many people Paul talked to about Jesus. But he was engaging. People loved him. He was interesting. He was different. He was alive. He was full. And I walked into the hospital one day and said, hey, Mr. Preacher Man. He said, hey, you, you, wait a minute. I got to get the nurse in here because I told her that Mr. Preacher Man was coming and he was going to pray for me and he could pray for her too. So let me get her in here because I told her we're going to pray for her. Man, Jesus is going to do something cool in her life today. And here she comes walking in. And I remember praying over that nurse and I remember her crying and Paul crying and him telling her Jesus was going to do something cool in her life today. He just had that. He just witnessed to people. Bibles gave away thousands of Bibles, prisons, anywhere he could give a Bible. It's, it's, it's where Jesus goes in this text. You may say, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. We've been having conversations about winning and discipling people. And and I think we can do better than we're doing. We may not have his personality, but I think we can do much better. And I had a little session where we had a conversation about in the atrium. And some of you could not come. And you said, I want to come. And so we'll put the date on the screen right now. But June 4th, next Sunday night, 6 o'clock in the chapel in the round. I'll have that same conversation with those of you who couldn't make it last time. I would love to talk to you more about just this simple idea of sharing our faith with others. So here's where it lands. What happens when we respond to Jesus and we take our deepest thirst to him. Is simply this. We expect him to say, let everyone who is thirsty come and drink, right? I love it. I did that. He has quenched my longing. He has satisfied my thirst. I love this. It's the next line that we don't expect. Rivers of living water will flow from within them. After you have come to me and had your thirst quenched, then rivers of living water is going to flow out of you. Here's the promise. If we come to him with our thirst, we will become rivers of life ourselves. Let me say it this way, just to make sure you get it. When thirsty people come to Jesus, he not only quenches their thirst, but he gives them the Holy Spirit and the water of life flows through them. What? That was a little weak. (laughs) When thirsty people come to Jesus, he not only quenches their thirst, but he gives them the Holy Spirit and the water of life flows through them. And so I just got to ask you this morning, is there anybody here who is thirsty? Anybody thirsty? Anybody saying, I need Jesus, Rick? I need Jesus in my life so bad. I need to come to Jesus. I just need 
to just stop, just stop running. And I just need to come to Jesus today. I just need to come to Jesus. I need Jesus. I'm parched. I'm dry. There's no life in me. I need Jesus. Is there anybody here then who is saying, I need to receive the Holy Spirit? I need the Spirit in me. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want the Spirit to flow from me. feel like we could all we could all pray right we all long for a fresh and filling right yeah so we should stand and we'll sing if you want to come to the altar if you feel an urge to come to the altar I'm going to say as your pastor, well, then you ought to come. I feel an urge to come to the altar this morning. And so let's just pray. And, and I'll make sure that there's a pastor or two around. And if you want to come to Jesus this morning, you need a pastor to pray with you. They'll do that. Just go to one of them and say, would you come and pray with me for any reason, Let's sing, Nick, okay?
strength and your power. Come in your strength and your to guide us. We want to be so close to you to hear what you want from us. So this morning as we have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in such a special way, may we let that take us out of the doors and into the world to share the gift of the Holy Spirit and your love with those that we come into contact with. May that be our prayer. So come, Holy Spirit, in your strength and your power and go with us as we leave this place. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here today. You are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.